This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I don't know about you, but I could do that all day, just firing out numbers of Paul. Should this guy be in the Hall of Fame? You know, one of the interesting things, too, and um, the next time he comes on, we'll maybe discuss this as well. Always wondered about players that never played in North America, but had outstanding, outstanding international careers. Now, there are plenty that are in. We think of players, you know, Vladislav Trechak and, and, and the likes and a lot from the 1972 Soviet team, but ones that were just stars in their own country. And the one that always pops to mind for me, I remember asking Bobby Holik about it. And he said, oh, yeah, my dad would always tell me about him. And um, I texted Vashi Nedimansky, uh, Vaslav Nedimansky's father about this the other day. And that's Jan Suchi, who is always considered the European Bobby Orr um, because he was amongst the, the super elite. But then he never left. And he, I know the Detroit Red Wings, I think it was a Red The Bruins had his rights but it was the Detroit Red Wings that tried to bring him into the NHL, but he stayed mainly for, for family reasons. Uh, I always wondered about players like him or Yuri Holacek, who was you know widely considered for a number of years the best goaltender uh, outside of the NHL. But we'll have Paul on another time, and we'll talk about all things non-NHL and the Hall of Fame. Anyhow, uh, we get to Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Hello, Fridge. Hello, sir. How so, you doing? Uh, I'm good. I just had a really interesting conversation with Paul Paduti from AdjustedHockey.com. So Paul is oh, yes. so a fascinating guy, right? He's from Sudbury. Um, he's you know he has this really cool project where he sort of determines the value of uh, of players and their Hall of Fame worthiness or not. And you know there's yeah. some, there's some interesting names that I that I threw out at him and. Um, the, the one, one name, which is interesting, uh, and the point that he made around it was interesting. I'm curious your thoughts on this one, because I know how much you loved Alfredson. Um, we always wonder about players and when they get in, who that opens a door for elsewhere. And the most obvious example is Pavel Burry opening up the door, um, you know, career wise, stats wise, longevity wise for Eric Lindros and and Cam Neely. Yeah, absolutely. And he said, um, with Daniel Alfredson being in now, the one player that that opens the door up for more than anyone else is Pierre Turgeon. Now, Turgeon was, was spread over a number of teams, and Alfredson was mainly the Ottawa Senators and then a, a brief dance with the Detroit Red Wings. But I thought that was interesting. You know, the, the Sedins are in, so who does that open it up for? Luongo's in. Who does that open it up for? And with Alfredson, he said that opens it up for Pierre Turgeon. That's an interesting one. I, I, I think that... The analytics era has, has changed a lot. That's particularly happened in baseball. Yep. Uh, you know, there was a catcher who got in either this year or last year. I can't remember exactly, Ted Simmons. And he was a guy who got in because of his analytics. And he actually, I, I, I'm doing this all off the top of my head. So I think he actually thanked the analytics community for breathing new life into his candidacy. He was a, a veterans committee selection and um, the analytic wave uh, really boosted him, and he was appreciative. Like, you know, like, Jeff, like, for example, in baseball now, you know who's got new life is Dave Steve. Yep. I don't know if he'll ever get in, but he, and, you know, who won the most games in the, in the 80s? Jack Morris uh, from Detroit. And Morris is a hell of a pitcher, and I, I think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But, who is, but a lot of people will tell you that Steve was a more dominant pitcher, and I, I do think that that has kind of happened in baseball. I think it will eventually, like you just talking about it, I think it's going to happen more in hockey. I the Turgeon one will be interesting to me. Um, 
I'd be curious to see where that would go. Like, I'm still a McGillney guy, and for me, what Luongo does is it opens up Curtis Joseph, who well, I think should be in. So that's funny because Paul meant we talked about Cujo right off the top, and he talked about, you know, he's you know he should have been in uh, a long time ago. Uh, when you look at you know uh, you know his his impact on the game, um, one of the one of the other names that we talked about, and you know it's it's someone that makes it above his cut line for the Hall of Fame, like he's he should already be in, he already has credentials to be in, and you know for my money he still plays on the top line in the NHL. And that's Joe Pavelski, and I don't know how yeah, many times you, you know I don't know how many times you've or anyone listening or watching right now have ever thought about Joe Pavelski and thought Hall of Fame, but Paul said, hold on a second here. When you look at when you look at his numbers and you look what he's done and how long he's done it, and then, you know, I'll always throw in, he plays on that line with Hins and Robertson, which is, for my money, with all due respect, the top line in the NHL and have been for a couple of seasons. You can make the argument, he's still, you know, around the top of his game, but we've never really thought about Joe Pavelski in the Hall of Fame, have we? No, but I'm willing to listen to these arguments. Uh, I'm also I'm also a Steve Larmer guy too. I absolutely. I think Steve Larmer is not in because of his yep. like I, I, the, the the way he left Chicago, which was like he he was the one who chose to end his own streak on principle. Yep. And I don't think that should be a a reason for punishment. Uh, and uh, I you know I've also you know I think we've all wondered if his NHLPA activities have contributed to that. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yep, I don't disagree. Um, we get to skate this morning, New Jersey, Toronto. <laughs> I was. And anything notable from either side? Well, I think the one thing that kind of stood out was Matt Murray left practice early. Yep. And every or skate early, and uh, we're all there are a lot of people in the crowd going, uh oh. Yeah. Um, and but he's starting tonight. Uh, and Jake Muzzin was there. He was just standing off that. to the side. And uh, I guess, you know, it was nice to see that he's still part of the group. Um, I, uh, I mean, that's probably the big news. I mean, there were a lot of people asking New Jersey why they're so good. And the players <laughs> kind of got a little bit of a kick out of it. He, a couple of them were joking. There's a lot more reporters in the New Jersey room than there have been in years past. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I mean, look, it's good for them right now, and and, and they're enjoying it. Uh, Bigger, okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight. I think it's going to be a, a good game. Oh, I agree. And uh, a couple of things there, and I want to get to the New Jersey Devils here in a couple of seconds, but, you know, I saw the, 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 the images of Jake Muzzin at the skate this morning, and, you know, I'm, I'm always reminded that although John Savaris is technically the captain of this team, man, that's, uh, I mean, Jake Muzzin's, word and presence still looms large in that in that dressing room whether he's on the ice or as a case today not on it i'm not saying he's you know the uh the real captain of the maple leaves by any stretch of the imagination but as close as you can get he's kind of it isn't he for each he's a, he's a presence I, I i do think in a lot of ways like I, like I was talking to somebody about this the other day and they said what Tavares is really good at is shutting out the noise Yep. Like, he's one of the best at it. It doesn't really bother him. He doesn't pay a lot of attention to it. And I think people notice that. But in terms of the social aspect in a lot of ways and and, and, uh, and the heart, like, your muzzle is huge. And, you know, Sheldon Keith said this morning he doesn't travel, but obviously he's around. And uh, those guys really do like him. He plays a major role. It's going to be interesting to see what Toronto does here. I, I definitely think they're looking at that potentially D, but... I've also wondered if they're going to look for some more scoring. They're, I mean, their five-on-five numbers are better, 
since they changed the lines a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think you could make a real argument that in the, some of these playoff losses, the inability to get a goal has been as big a problem as the inability to stop them. Well, you know what's interesting, too, is, you know, with the, uh, and now he's healthy, with the uh, the emergence of someone like Timothy Liljegren with Rasmus Sandin, maybe, you know, as much as Muzzin isn't there, the Maple Leafs shouldn't look at you know, finding another defenseman as much as, to your point, they should probably look at adding another forward. As counterintuitive as that may be, I think what it underscores is just how quietly good Timothy Liljegren has been for this team. He's been really good, and, and Jordy Ben, in the brief time that he's played, has been very good. Like, it's, it's a, I, like I had a chance to talk to Ben this morning, and uh, I, I got, I'm going to pull his quote because I, I had to write it down because uh, it was so good. I was just talking about like how different it is to plug yourself into this lineup than some of the other ones that he's played for. And his quote was, if you're slow and smooth, smooth is fast. That's going to become Americanism, I have a feeling. I, said, <laughs> I, had to, I had to stop and write that down. He said, I said, where'd you get that from? He goes, Conor McGregor is where he uh, heard yeah. it from. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing he talked about is, is that, look, he said, this is a really skilled team, but he also says when they're at their best, they think the game extremely well. And he said that there's been times where he's been on the ice where, you know, someone calls out the play uh, on the breakout or the exit or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And he says, if everybody is, is where they're supposed to be, it's pretty seamless. It's an easy fit. And that's what he said. If you're slow and smooth, smooth is fast. And he said he's seen some instances where, and I asked him, like, is there anybody in particular who calls the breakout? Or does it depend on where the puck is and where the play is? And he says that's B. Uh, it's, it's, you know, where the puck is and yeah. where the play is. But he said, like, if, if Morgan Riley calls for a certain breakout or Austin Matthews calls for a certain breakout and everybody is where they're supposed to be, he says they're very good. And clearly in a lot of their games recently, mm. they've been much better at it. You know, the interesting thing about that is, you know, through October, the Maple Leafs looked, you know, demonstrably slower than we've, than we've seen in the past. But having said that, I look at that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I don't know if this was an optical illusion. Maybe it's more of a comment on my eyes than their feet. But did yeah. it not seem like that might have been the fastest we've seen the Maple Leafs this season? And, they and, and, and they're not a fast team. No. They are not a fast team. I know that might seem counterintuitive to some people, but they are not uh, an overly fast team. But you know what? The puck goes faster than people skate. Yep. If you're putting it in the right spots, it works. And they looked like they were flying. Okay, New Jersey side of the ice. We've talked a lot about New Jersey this year. Is, is there you anything? Know, one in- thing, can we just do the Andrew Burnett stuff for a quick second? Sure. All the listeners in Vancouver would care about this. Of course. Yeah, Andrew so, Burnett, now assistant coach of the uh, of the New Jersey Devils. There was some speculation that if Lindy Ruff would have been dismissed as at that point, not anymore, uh, New Jersey fans wanted um, perhaps Andrew Burnett would be the next coach of the New Jersey Devils, and there are some rumors tying him to Vancouver. Yes. Well, look, I, I don't think he's going anywhere in the middle of the season. At least that's kind of what we uh, kind of uncovered today. There were a few of us looking into it, obviously, with the Devils here. Um, 
I, I do think that there's – look, I, I think at the end of the day, if Andrew Burnett's going to be a head coach somewhere and it's not New Jersey, the Devils are not going to be inclined to stand in his way. That's mm-hmm. kind of the, it's, it's the way it works. All of that said, there's a big difference between it happening at the end of the year and in the middle of the season. And I don't think the Devils are overly inclined if, first of all, Vancouver does not have permission to talk to him right now. And so that's one thing. I've only known one case where a coach was hired who was under contract for someone else uh, and without permission, and that was Lou Lamorello. And, you know, he can do it once, I guess. <laughs> and at the end of the day, Washington was okay with it. Um, but, uh, um, like, they don't have permission to talk to him right now, and I don't get the impression that New Jersey would be overly thrilled about that happening now. Right. So I, I don't think that's directly in front of us, is what I would say. You know, one of the things, because I think a lot of us had wondered, okay, so Andrew, like, this is a very experienced assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils. Um, there was, a, there was a, a moment, like, a week and a half ago, I think it was, maybe maybe two weeks um, in the Ontario Hockey League that led me to say, okay, to me, that might mean that Brunette is there, period, in New Jersey for the season. And that's when Derek McKenzie was hired as the head coach of the Sudbury Wolves. Like, I, I think when, when Andrew Burnett is a, is a head coach again in the NHL, and I think we all believe that he will be, I would, yeah. I would not be surprised, nor do I think anyone should be surprised if Derek McKenzie is there with him. And then when McKenzie took the Sudbury job, I said to myself, okay, I think that probably means Burnett's there to stay. Yes. I, I, like, like, I, like, I don't think anything's going to happen. I really did not get the impression that the Devils would be amenable to this in the season. Mm-hmm. And again, things can always change, but that's definitely the impression I was given. And, um, I, but, you know, I, I, I was thinking about the last time a head coach was hired who was working yeah. uh, during the year and went and got hired somewhere else. And I think it's possible Jim Rutherford was the last guy to do it. He was one of the last guys to do it. Mm-hmm. But he, that was in Carolina when Kirk Muller was the head coach of the, of the Predators American Hockey League team in Milwaukee. Yep. And he got hired as head coach for the Hurricanes. Now, maybe somebody else up there can think of something else more recent, mm-hmm. but it's rare, and that did happen a few years ago. So I could see why people would think that maybe Rutherford would try to do that because he's done it before. You know, one of the interesting questions for me around the New Jersey Devils right now, and this is this is a 10-game winning streak, and, you know, we talked yesterday about teams that win 10 games in a row during the season. There's only been two that haven't made the playoffs uh, after going on the 10-game the, the heater. Um, is who gets credit for it? You know what I mean? Like, when you look at the New Jersey Devils right now, because it's not just one person's decisions that have made all this. Like, some of this goes back to Shiro. Some of this is the analytics department. Some of this yep. is Tom Fitzgerald. Like, when you look at the New Jersey Devils and you start to think, okay, who should take a bow for this? Who comes to mind for you? Well, I, I always look at it this way. Like, no organization, no one person... Uh, no one person takes all deserves all the credit. 
Like if you don't have an organization, a, a organization that functions properly mm-hmm. and has a good decision-making process, then you, you're not going to win. Now, look, I think the person at the top, they get always get undue blame and undue credit. Because that's when you're at the top and you've got the big title, yep. that's life. You're collecting the biggest salary. You've got the biggest title. You're the one who's in, in front of the camera the most. So when things go wrong, it's on you. When things go right, you get a bit more credit. But, like, the thing I think about the Devils is is that they, they look like they've made a lot of really good choices. Like John Marino right now looks like yeah. it was a really good choice. And there were a lot of teams that could have had John Marino, and they were the ones who did it. Um, so, like, I, I, but what, what I think is that the Devils have spent a lot of time and money trying to improve their process. There's some of the old school, there's some yeah. of the new school, there's some eye test, and there's some analytic. And I think that one of the things I would say is that as an organization, they deserve credit for, I think, improving their process. And, that, and, and that's important, because if you have a bad decision-making process, mm-hmm. you make bad decisions. You know, as as always, and this is you know, you and I have talked about this before. You know, uh, general managers having a uh, uh, an obligation to the game of hockey for the good of the game uh, to to document what they did while they were general managers, and you know, write a book or release it all when all the appropriate people have have all left the game. Because one of the things that I'm curious about uh, with New Jersey, and I'm curious about this with all the teams, but for the sake of this conversation, considering New Jersey's so hot, um, I, I am really curious. Now, what are the decisions they didn't make? Like, who did they stay away from? There are just some teams that, you know, in the offseason are grabbing as many big names as possible, crossing their fingers and and hope that it works. To your point about investing in their process, you know, that's going to be a process not just of addition, but of uh, omission as well. You know, players that may have become available, uh, the Devils could have signed, but said, you know what, this doesn't work for what we're trying to do. Maybe to a casual fan, they'll say, hang on, you have a shot at player X and he's awesome, but it doesn't work for their team. I'm always curious about which players they stayed away from as much as I am with which players they brought in. Well, I think like, I, I, like, there would be a couple I would wonder about. And it's not, it's not a direct answer to your question, Jeff, mm-hmm. but I think that they could have traded Blackwood. Yep. At a discount, like the and they kept him, and unfortunately he's hurt right now, but he looks like he's back on track. Like to me, that's that's a big one. It would have been very easy after last year, and Blackwood and the Devils they weren't happy with each other, and it would have been very easy to end that relationship. They didn't, and things appear to be better off. So that's number one. You know, I I. I I don't have a great answer for you on, on some of the other moves, but... Oh, I don't expect you to know, like, who they didn't bring in. Like, I don't, I don't expect... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, like, trying to pull that, pull that one out of your, out of well, your hat. I'm, I'm just curious, like... Cause I, I, think that's, I have, I, I think I have that's some theories on stuff they tried. Like, oh, yeah? I think I have some theories on stuff they tried, but I should probably ask before I just throw <laughs> them out there. No, 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 no. This is talk radio. This, is, this fuels the industry <laughs> here. Just idle, idle speculation, rumors, and innuendo. 
Um, okay, so that's one of 13 games on the go this evening. One thing that I want to ask you about um, from last night, uh, that Los Angeles-Edmonton game, and a couple of things here. Trevor Moore with the hat trick, Victor Arvidsson with three assists, and um, Hyman scores for the, uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, the flashpoint moment in that one, Alexander Edler and the hit on Connor McDavid, subsequent later the cross-check from McDavid uh, to yeah. Edler. Darnell Nurse goes after Edler right away. We've talked so much about other sports protecting their stars. The most obvious one is football with the quarterbacks. And yeah. I couldn't help but thinking about that conversation that you and I always have on the podcast. You know, when I saw Edler hit McDavid that way, I think we all held our breath and said, oh, please don't let this be bad because it looks bad right now. Well, someone said to me this morning, it's different without Kane there. Hmm. You know, we all know Evander Kane's out of the lineup, and, you know, he's a he's a tough customer. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, that's what someone said to me this morning. Um, the thing that was tough for me is that, like, like I don't think Alex Edler is intending to hurt anybody, but that's the second time we've seen it. Yep. And the, the first time was one of the guys in the game last night who gave a pretty – uh, pissed off interview to Gene Principe in the intermission, yep. and that was uh, that Zach Hyman. And I, I think that the one thing I would like to see is I think there has to be some kind of strong message that you can't do that. Um, because first of all, it people get hurt, and secondly, because like so, there's been a big debate in football this year about some of the roughing the passer calls on the quarterbacks. And some players are saying this is a joke. It's not football. You can't do this anymore. And I don't remember where I saw the quote or where I saw it reported, but I saw something from Troy Vincent, who is you know one of, a former player, really tough, honest player, and he's now I think in the NFL front office, and he basically said too freaking bad. Like the quarterbacks are our meal tickets. And the reason the, one of the reasons the NFL is as popular as it is is because of the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and we have to protect them. And I know that there's people in hockey that don't like that attitude. It's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But it's not good for anyone, including himself, if the guy's injured. And, uh, like, again, like th- this is a penalty that it's a similar kind of hit to one he got suspended for a few years ago. Yeah. He doesn't have a history of... Uh, he doesn't have much of a history of violence or anything like that. But I think you have to send a message that if for, if, uh, God forbid, if, if someone like McDavid is going to get injured, we have to make sure that he's injured on a legal play. And that's the way I feel. You know, see, the one thing that I've, I've, like a lot of us, I've thought about this one a lot. And the only thing you and I have discussed is the only thing that I keep coming back to is this needs to be done at the players association level amongst the players, not unlike how we saw through the eighties, there was an understanding and you may look at it and say, well, yeah, they had Dave Semenko and Marty McSorley and Kevin McClelland and Don Jackson, the yeah. guys that could handle it in case things got out of hand. But there also seemed to be very much a, a feeling amongst players in the NHL that a, to your point, Elliot, Wayne Gretzky's everybody's meal ticket. Let's make sure he stays in the game because it's good for all of us. To me, the only way it's going to change is if that happens amongst the players and they say, hold on a second here. I know the rules say he's eligible for a hit, 
I know, you know, uh, okay, you know what, maybe my knee got a little bit sloppy there. I, my thought is this can only happen amongst the players themselves where they recognize, you know, these are the players that are keeping this game at a, what, $4.5 billion level. We need yeah. these guys on the ice. To me, that's the only quote-unquote solution. I don't think the Oilers, I don't think the NHL can sort of, you know, have a, a designated, you know, you wear a different color helmet so you're not eligible to be hits um, type thing in their game. The only thing that I can see is it's got to be done collectively amongst the players like these are our yeah, meal tickets don't touch don't touch them i just i just don't know if that feeling is out there amongst players though. i i have to tell you i don't uh i don't disagree with you uh jeff i i don't it's just it's, it's just bad like it doesn't there's no winner if 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 he gets hurt on a play like that and again i know there's people who are like soft soft, yeah, soft. I, get it, I get it that's fine but i but you know what first of all i do like a mean game uh, as long as it's like the, the kind of meanness that's the puck's here, I'm here, you're here, we're gonna we're gonna fight like hell for every inch to get that puck. I I'm all good with that. I just I, like I thought about that Troy Vincent quote a lot, and I wish I could remember where I saw it. I can't, but I thought about that Troy Vincent quote a lot, and I get it. I I, I understand why some guys don't like it. I understand why some fans don't like it, but I get it. There is a uh, there's a thing called Google, and on Google there's a search bar, and if you put in the name Troy Vincent and hit enter, you might just find the quote. <laughs> I'm walking. I, I was just walking. <laughs> it's windy outside. Yeah. I'm trying to actually. You and Al will always get mad when I don't pay attention to what you're saying, so I'm trying to be better. <laughs> like I'm trying to improve myself as a person, Jeff. Yeah, don't do it on my watch. The expectation here is pretty low, Elliot. Don't worry about it. Do it. <laughs> You know, do it, uh, do it, do it with Steph. Don't worry about me. Uh, quick before I let you go, um, were we all wrong about the St. Louis Blues? Winners of four in a row, five two last night against the Blackhawks. Break up the Blues. Someone said to me, "This is 2019 again. Or they're going to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> they're going to wave everybody, trade everybody, and Army didn't do anything, and now they're going to win the cup." Uh, too soon. I, like obviously better. They're yeah. they're winning, but I, I I would say I would say too soon. The one thing I do feel, Jeff, is their schedule. They didn't play enough games. I think that's very real. That so took them out of some rhythm. First week and a half or two weeks, it only played three games, Elliot. Like, they, yeah, they, I, I, I do think that's a thing. Yeah, I, I do wonder about that as well. And and finally, uh, boy, you know, we talked about the unsustainables uh, not too long ago in Buffalo and heard about it in our DMs and our texts, etc. Mm-hmm. Seven in a row for the Buffalo Sabres, the wrong way. Good on the Ottawa Senators. I don't know that that was a must-win game, but at times it certainly felt like it watching this thing last night. Uh, tough one for the Sabres, great for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, your thoughts on both these teams right now to conclude? First of all, boy, like like right now to me, like okay, I'm, I'm doing a Merrick Wyshynski thing. Okay. Right now to me, uh, if I'm giving the Calder Trophy, I'm giving it to Logan Thompson. <laughs> but, but, but... The way yeah. this is going, Jake Sanderson oh, is yeah. going to be is, is is very much going to be in this race. Yep. Like he is, he is very much going to be in this race. I, I really like that kid. I, I think that kid's going to be a, a hell of a player for that. Um, you know, Buffalo. I think it was Wyshynski last night who had the tweet saying, "This is kind of what Buffalo does, right?" Mm-hmm. And and they, they go out to a great start and then they have a bad streak. 
I think the one thing here that really concerns me is the Comrie injury. Yep. Like this is this is a huge opportunity for uh, Lukanen. Like this is his time. Yep. You know, um, like th- this is this is his time. Kipper just drove by me in the underground parking garage. Uh, like, like, you know, Anderson, I assume Anderson's going to play on Saturday night in Toronto, but he, you know, he can't do it all. And uh, this, like one man's injury is another man's opportunity. Yep. And this has got to be looking in time. Uh, it does. We will see. We've been waiting for a long time. It's a second round draft pick out of the Sudbury Wolves of the OHL. That's the second time we've mentioned that uh, organization in this conversation. Uh, Elliot, I will see you in 30 minutes. I'll hold up the mm-hmm. book here. All roads home when you and I will sit down with Brian Trache uh, for looking the podcast. So very much looking forward to talking to the greats, Brian Trache. We'll see you in 30, Fridge. All right, buddy. Take care. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and uh, Hockey Night in Canada.